If there ever was a man who hated God and desired to have nothing to do with the Holy Spirit, it was a man by the name of Bartolo Longo. Bartolo was raised in the mid-19th century in Italy to what he admits was a pious Catholic household. As a young adult, he rejected the faith, became an extremist and a political activist, and eventually became a satanic priest. He hated God, and he wanted to rub out anything in his life that had anything to do with God or the Holy Spirit or Jesus. But this is how beautiful and how wonderful the Holy Spirit is, is we can't tell him to go away. He's always there. Even if it's just a flicker of a flame in our hearts, the Holy Spirit imparted in baptism and confirmation never departs. God is always with us. God is united to us. And as a satanic priest, Bartolo Longo met a Dominican priest who taught him to pray the rosary. And it was through this priest and through the prayer of the rosary that Bartolo's heart, which was hardened and near death, was converted, was set ablaze by the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus tells us in the the Gospel, and as we heard in the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles, when the Holy Spirit comes to us, when we are set afire with God's love dwelling within us, we cannot help but go and do the Lord's work. And Bartolo Longo spent the rest of his life after his conversion not just thanking God and going about his merry way, but trying to draw others like himself back to the faith by trying to get people who had grown lukewarm or fallen away from the church afire with the Holy Spirit. And now in the church, we refer to Bartolo Longo as a blessed. He's one step away from sainthood. And the church, in making him a a blessed and beatifying him, says that his life, this satanic priest's life who was converted, is a life worthy of emulation. The Holy Spirit, which we celebrate today, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, is one of God's most beautiful acts. In fact, if we look at the church, this is conceivably the third holiest day of the year. But here's the thing. Oftentimes, we don't really understand or recognize the Holy Spirit. We see God as some distant, you know, old man with a white beard in heaven who doesn't have anything to do with my life except when I come to church on Sundays and maybe even not then. And yet God dwells within us. God created us in a unique act of love and holds us in being by that same act of love. And yet God is a zealous lover, so that wasn't enough. That isn't enough for God. He loves us so much that he united himself to our humanity. He became one of us. But that wasn't enough. So he suffered and died for our sins and opened the gates of heaven for us. But that wasn't enough for God. He sends today his Holy Spirit on the church because he wants to be united with each and every one of us. He wants our life to be his life and his life to be our life. And as St. Paul says in the second readings, he sends gifts to us. Now, Theologically, we all receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Piety, fortitude, fear of the Lord, wisdom, understanding, counsel, and knowledge. We all receive those in baptism. But here's the thing. We all live them in different ways. 
We have different strengths. And the Lord gives us gifts, but they don't separate us from one another. Oftentimes we look at our gifts or we look at the gifts of others as those that separate us from them. But what Paul says to us today is that they actually unite us into the one beautiful mystical body of Christ. These gifts that the Holy Spirit imparts upon us, these gifts that the Holy Spirit cultivates and enlivens and emboldens and enriches in our hearts and in our life are meant to unite us. And so it's our desire and our job to cultivate these gifts. You know, some people are really good at having conversations with complete strangers. I'm terrible at that. I always feel awkward and nervous. But when I see someone who does it well, and I see, wow, that person is totally present and on love with that, and just, and just able to give himself or herself into that conversation, instead of saying, I'm envious of that, I try to use that as inspiration. And this is how the Holy Spirit works in all of us. We have this beautiful community, because again, the Holy Spirit comes today in the first reading not, and in the gospel, not just to one person, but to the church, to the apostles and the Blessed Virgin Mary gathered together. And so when the Holy Spirit comes to us, it's to save us, to redeem us, to sanctify us, but also to unite us more closely with one another, not to divide us. And so how do we recognize the work of the Holy Spirit? How do we enrich our relationship, our union with the Holy Spirit? There are two ways, primarily. There are many ways, but the two primary ways are first and foremost, prayer. And here's a prayer that I'd like to teach you. Maybe you know it, but it's a three-word prayer that'll change your life, guaranteed. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and help me overcome this obstacle. Come, Holy Spirit, and give me the words to speak to my friend, to my family, to my coworkers. Come, Holy Spirit, and help me through this difficult time. Come, Holy Spirit. Recognizing the divine presence in our life. Opening our hearts to God who is already there. What a beautiful and wonderful prayer. To spend time listening, loving, being set aflame by the Holy Spirit. So prayer. The second thing is what St. Paul tells us in Galatians 5. If you're interested, verses 22 and 23. Looking for the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our life. And we don't have Bibles in front of us, perhaps, so I'll give you those gifts. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I won't go into all of them right now as to how we can look for them in our life, because that would be ridiculous. But I would like to emphasize one fruit that Jesus clearly gives to us and clearly shows us today in the Gospel, and that is peace. The first thing that Jesus offers to the church the first thing that Jesus offers to each and every one of us, scared, alone, sinful, is his peace. To know Christ is to know his peace. And so how do we do that when we look at a world that is clearly torn apart by division, hatred, animosity, it seems? You can't turn on the news, it seems like, without seeing another terrorist attack or major incident or political infighting or some sort of tension in our culture, even on the local level. And so how are we to bring about peace in this world? How are we to bear, be bearers of fruit in a world that doesn't seem to even value or care about peace? And the answer is pretty simple. Are you sowing peace in your life? 
You know, are you working for peace? That's great. Politically, socially, that's great. But are you sowing seeds of dissension in your conversations? If you're politically active in peace movements, but tearing other people down in conversations, is the fruit of Holy Spirit peace present there? And so, how do we bear fruit? We pray for our enemies. We love those people we disagree with. We can say strong words, but we fight for peace in that relationship that we can control. We fight for peace amongst each other with the people we can encounter every day. And this is how the Holy Spirit works. When the Holy Spirit converts one heart, when the Holy Spirit is activated in one life, the world changes. And so the fruit of peace is born here and now. But not only is peace in our culture and in our society and in our friendships important, it's also important within the church. I'd like to think that when Jesus came to the disciples, so there's ten, this is the gospel we also heard when Thomas is not there, so there's the ten apostles gathered together, and then we hear in the Acts of the Apostles, he comes to the eleven apostles gathered together with Mary. I'd like to think that they had some challenges amongst them. They might not have agreed on everything politically. They might not have agreed on how best to go about the work of preaching the gospel. But they made peace in the community. And so when they went off to the ends of the world, they were able to bring the saving message of Jesus Christ. Not their political feelings, not their feelings about what type of church they were trying to build in terms of what type of people they were trying to attract, but trying to bring the peace of Christ to everyone. Jesus offers us peace today. Jesus desires to give us peace. And as Jesus says at the end of the gospel, whose sins you have forgiven are forgiven them. And so for each of us, we need to know intimately and well God's peace. And that comes through the Eucharist and the sacrament of confession. And then we can start to see the fruit when we have peace in our hearts and peace in our lives. We can start to plant, to sow, and through the Holy Spirit reap the fruits of peace.